Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to episode four of the Life and Limb podcast. My name is Chuck Anderson. Really happy to have you joining, really happy to have you listening along to this show, however you found it. Uh, whether you've been following along uh, from this past week when I just launched uh, and you've been looking forward to a new episode uh, or you're just finding this for the first time, I'm really just excited to have you listening uh, regardless. So it means a lot to me, it means a lot to the people who I interview. Uh, I know that much for sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just it's been a wonderful reception so far. This has been now live for less than a week at this point. And uh, it is Sunday, December 22nd, uh, almost midnight right now. And I just opened iTunes a little bit ago and I checked and to my complete and honest like shock and surprise, the, uh, this podcast is on the front page of the iTunes podcast section, not even in the arts or in the design uh, section or anything like that. It's just on the front page of the podcast section. I have no idea how it got there. Um, so however, <laughs> however it got there, uh, thanks, uh, I guess, to uh, whoever or how, whatever <laughs> computer is responsible for determining that actually at first i kind of thought that it was sort of apple's version of sending you a pen with your business's name on it and it was kind of like a a lob of of a gesture you know kind of thing like if you have your own podcast like of course it pops up on the front page you know because of course it does and i actually asked a couple friends to uh, check out itunes even tweeted about it to be honest uh, because i was just kind of like is this for real and it turns out that yes, it is. It is actually on the front page of the iTunes podcast section. So I was blown away by that. Um, however, again, it happened. Uh, I hope there's some people who are hearing this for the first time because of that, because it's a pretty cool thing. I am uh, beyond humbled, beyond excited about this whole project. This is a uh, purely a labor of love to interview and have conversations with people who I find to be fascinating. I find to be inspiring, passionate, you know, talented, wonderful, amazing people who are just doing awesome stuff. And I want a chance to talk with them and let you, the listener, be kind of a fly in the wall and just overhear a conversation. That's that's the point. That's that's really it for me. And uh, I hope it's fun for you. And uh, for me, it's one of those things where it's it's fun for me. It's a blast for me to be doing these. I, I mean, I, what a amazing way to spend, uh, you know, a couple hours of my time, you know, interviewing somebody and then listening back to it, you know, editing it, just putting the whole thing together and then putting it out there. Uh, I, I really swore that one, you know, when I started this, that I would only do this project for as long as it was fun for me to do it. And as for as long as I was really in love with the concept of doing this. And, you know, as soon as, you know, that ever got, you know, God forbid, um, that actually happens that I don't, you know, but that, that'll be the time where I stop doing this. So, you know, for right now, uh, and hopefully for uh, <laughs> all of eternity, I don't know, for, for the foreseeable future, uh, I continue to just uh, completely just be kind of obsessed with doing these and, and just being able to ask people questions and then share it. I, I, I love it. I, I really do. I, I'm really happy to uh, have you listening. I'm really happy to be doing this. And uh, that's about all I will say. I sound I sound giddy here, but I really am. The response has been awesome. I've been getting some great feedback. Uh, the the criticisms, even like suggestions and everything, even uh, you know constructive criticism, I should say, has been uh, really great too. You know, I have a lot to learn and a lot of things to grow. Um, you know, in terms of getting this to where I really would love for it to be. Um, but uh, you know, it certainly helps having an audience full of really smart people who, you know, seem to care about this thing right off the bat. And that means the world to me to have people seeming like they care this early on. And so, you know, the advice I've gotten has been priceless. It's been been great. So um, again, thank you very much, uh, everybody who's been a part of this, uh, whether you're a listener or whether you've helped me out on any level. Uh, it's I am I'm am in your debt. I, I appreciate it. So 
Um, really quick, I just want to say I've had a lot of people asking me about the music in the show. The song at the beginning of this episode, as well as the uh, segue music that kind of goes between the monologue and the interview that you're going to hear in just a few moments here, uh, is the song. Uh, it's a clip from the song Life and Limb by the band Fugazi from their album The Argument. And uh, the song was actually uh, originally what inspired the name of this show. So it's not like I came up with Life and Limb and then went and tried to find a song called Life and Limb. It was the song Life and Limb that existed first really influenced uh, me with the name of this show. And I reached out to uh, Ian Mackay and Fugazi at Discord Records, asked permission um, you know, to be able to use a clip from the song. And they very, very... Uh, graciously said yes and uh, so that is the the song that you hear is fugazi life and limb it is used with permission it's an amazing song by one of my favorite bands of all time so definitely check that out when you have a chance um, you can actually find a link to that and more information and stuff on the about page of lifeandlimb.com. You can follow along Life and Limb on Twitter at Life and Limb. It's on Facebook and Instagram as well. I'm sure you can find it from the website. I won't go into that anymore. You can find it. So anyways, this is uh, kind of the holiday episode, I guess, uh, trying to get this out there before everyone goes on a Christmas break or holiday break or whatever it is you got. Hopefully uh, this is something um, that you can listen to and enjoy, you know, while you're uh, chilling out, not doing too much work or anything. And uh, I am joined today with uh, by by Sarah Blake, and Sarah is a really incredible, wonderful illustrator and artist and designer from New York City. She's uh, in New York City by way of Richmond, Virginia. So I really had a lot of fun talking with her about her journey from more of a you know the South up to New York and what that was like and what it was like coming from a family that wasn't really creative, really wasn't you know had parents that were doing completely other things and just hearing about the encouragement and support she got from them and and how that's impacted her today and and then uh, hearing about what she's up to now, hearing what she hopes to do in the future and everything else kind of in between talk a lot about tattoos with Sarah. Um, tattoos are a huge part of both of our lives. And so it was really fun to kind of chat with her about that. So you'll hear about that. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, Lifeandlimb.com. If you like the show, give it a good rating on iTunes. Uh, if you don't, that's cool too. I just hope that you en- enjoy listening. So anyways, without further ado, my conversation with Sarah Blake here on Life and Limb. Please enjoy. Hey everybody, what's going on today? I am joined by Sarah Blake. Sarah, what's going on? Howdy, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Um, Sarah and I were just uh, talking about you know things we want to kind of go over, and I kind of do a little bit of a of prep um, before I do all these interviews, just so that I can you know make sure the stage is set. And Sarah was just telling me uh, that right now, three days before Christmas, the weather in New York is very different than the weather here in Chicago, which is about 20 degrees. Did you go running today? I didn't. Um, I wish I could have. I just got my new Nike ID shoes and I wanted to take them for a spin. But today was a bike day. Yeah. Well, so you got out though. It's right. It would have been a perfect bike day, actually. It's like, it's freakish outside. It's about 65 degrees. And uh, I don't feel like Christmas is a couple days away. (laughs) No. So there's obviously no snow right now. (laughs) No, but there was last week. I actually got home. I was on a trip a couple or a week and a half ago, and I came back and I I missed our first snow. Came back and there's snow on the ground. Do you like Do you like the snow? Do you Do you enjoy embrace winter? Since we, you know, as these designer lifestyles are always sitting in a computer on a computer all the time. Do you uh, enjoy sitting there and looking outside and the weather's awful? <laughs> you know, I do. I like it for the the first like twenty minutes. 
Um, but you know, like in cities when it snows, it's just, it's not, it's not nice. It turns to muck immediately. People are, you know, dragging their feet in it and it just makes getting to go do your errands and your, your daily routine that much grosser. Yeah. Um, well, I like to start all these interviews off with a nice casual conversation about the weather, you know, really break the yeah. ice for people. <laughs> but I did think it was interesting that you were telling me that it was like 65 degrees in New York right now. I kind of couldn't believe that, but, uh, you know, that's... Yeah, no one believes me, so... Well, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, um, I wanted to, you know, start by asking, so you're in New York City now, and like a lot of people who are in New York City... Uh, in the creative world, they're actually not from New York City. So where are you from? And uh, how how different uh, is it for you being in New York City than where you, you grew up? I, it's, it's pretty different. I, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, um, which when I was growing up, you know, all I could really think about was getting out of my, my hometown was all I knew. And so I sort of just did a beeline for New York um, to go to school. And um, in retrospect, Richmond's actually a pretty awesome art community, but I didn't really get it until I had already moved. You know, I think everyone has that relationship with the, the town they grew up where they just want something completely different. They sort of want to start over as an adult. Right. Um, but uh, I, I came to New York for to go to NYU um, thinking I was going to do like a s- sort of an art, um, art-based art study, but it ended up just being like, you know, like a liberal arts um, sort of program, and I didn't really do as much um, hands-on stuff as maybe I would have at, um, you know, like a prep, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's there, there's so many creative people here. Um, you know, peers of ours and um, people in design, photography, like you name it. But um, you know, it's such a it's such a freelancer-friendly place. It's great for for get-togethers, but. Um, I think everyone, it's it's so easy with the internet these days to get a little siloed as well. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so being from Richmond and uh, being from a, a place that's not necessarily known, like I know you said it's a great art town, but when you compare it to New York, you know, if someone's from New York, you can maybe assume, you know, that their parents or their family and stuff had these really interesting jobs or came, you know, there to do something in creativity or in the art world themselves. Um but I know you have a little bit, you know, uh, when, when we met, actually, where did we meet for the first time? Was that last year at, uh, yeah. in Brighton, I think, right. at a conference, Reasons uh, reasons to be Creative Conference, I think it was, yeah. Um, right. And uh, you told me a little bit about your dad's job, which is very different from what you do, I think. Uh, is, it, is he a doctor? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, both my parents actually um, are, I guess, what you wouldn't sort of um, immediately think of as creative jobs, um, although they definitely are. In their own way, my dad's a doctor. He's a, just a, a family doc, and my mom is in finance. Um, and you know, I I always was interested in art, but I don't think my parents were always very encouraging. But they didn't actually do art themselves. Um, but my um, aunts and uncles were were musicians. Okay. And so I think there was always like um, you know that sort of encouragement in the family. Yeah. Now your sister's and, a musician, and- right? She is, yeah. She's um, she's very shy about it, though. Okay, so that's not like the day job. That's like more the the you know play kind of more for fun, or does she do it like on display? No, she's she's like she's horrified of playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys did that video at one point where you know you're kind of a collaborative video that you guys made, um, and I thought that was really cool. You know, kind of the doing something with family. What was that all about? Yeah, the... just to give like a little a little background on it. It was um. 
I had um, done a print for this um, bag company called uh, Sack Roots, and they do this little artist series. Um, uh, I think it's you know once or twice a year they'll do a, a new artist pattern, mm-hmm. and um, they're trying out this new thing where they're doing an illustration that was based on a piece of music. So they were setting up an artist with a musician and they had asked me to do the drawing, um, but they hadn't figured out who was going to do the music yet. And so I put, they asked me to do a list of suggestions and they were like, you know, we, we like lesser known, um, sort of like alternative types of, uh, musicians. And so I, I gave them a list and I was like, and I couldn't submit this list without also submitting my sister. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I think they just sort of latched on to the, sister collaboration idea yeah. so how was that i mean so you i mean your sister your parents not being kind of the creative types but your sister you know did that was that the first chance that she sort of came out of a bit of a shell and did you seem to be the one that was sort of drawing that out of her uh i think so i think <laughs> it, it's so funny because i mean this goes for me too i'm just a, i'm the older sister so i've been you know had a couple more years experience but it's so funny when you you're doing something a, a creative endeavor especially by yourself and you're just doing it because you like to do it. And right. You're into it. And then all of a sudden you put an audience on you and you just get like this stage fright. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she, she totally had that. They put her <laughs> in a sound booth and they were having her like sync her guitar and her vocals separately. Mm-hmm. And she never, she always just like plays by herself acoustically in her bedroom. Right. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. And then you got to record a separate audio, you know, vocal track, which probably makes you feel so exposed because you're not holding a guitar and you don't know what to do with your hands. And yeah. it's like, all right, here I am. There's people watching me. Like, what do I do? And you're, and you're probably having a little a bit of this in, in your podcast too. They had, um, they had her put headphones on too in the sound booth so she yep. could like hear herself all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely takes some getting used to that's that's for sure but i mean but so it's cool because i think that that project that you guys did I, I really remember that and i always just appreciate you know doing things with family or recognizing talent in your family or even just whether it's close friends too and and utilizing that and doing something with that i think that's pretty cool um so what i wanted to ask then so you kind of draw you know drew that out of her and since your parents weren't necessarily um coming from creative jobs at all and you were saying they weren't even necessarily the most creative types. They had different kind of different life, different personalities and everything. Um, what was it that kind of drew the creativity in you out? Um, because, you know, since you did go to NYU and you went um, to kind of school for this stuff at the same time, did you grow up drawing? And did you kind of grow up with a noticeable uh, talent that parents and people around you saw like, hey, Sarah's got some, you know, really great skills with this with drawing or with painting or whatever did did it ever take one particular person in your family or maybe a friend or mentor that really drew it out of you and, and encouraged you and made you feel like hey you know you're really good at something you should put this out there you know I think it, it was definitely my parents but I actually think it was a reverse I don't think I was actually good at it as a kid I think my parents were just super encouraging because I, I don't know if it's actually true. It's just sort of, you know, how you make sense of it looking back at your child self. Um, I'm, I'm a huge introvert, but I was also, um, when I was really little, I um, had eye surgeries um, for, uh, I have a lazy left eye, which um, now looks straight with my other eye, but I just was always very nearsighted and I was on top of it very shy. So I think um, my parents recognized pretty early on that I was not going to be the outgoing kid on the playground and mm. so I had a lot of, I had a, I was like I did all my homework and stuff but I wasn't I had a hard time in school um just connecting with people uh-huh. so I think my parents more they just saw that I was happiest when I was drawing 
So I don't think it was any skill. I think it was just like, we want Sarah to be happy. So let's encourage this activity that um, brings that out in her. And after, after, you know, like kindergarten and then elementary school, that was like the activity for me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is for a lot of kids. I think, you know, when they're, especially if they're introverted or awkward or anything and, and especially, you know, as soon as you realize, even, I mean, like you said, I mean, you don't think that there was much talent there, but it eventually kind of came and developed. Um, I just feel like, you know, parents who, you know, care or a teacher who cares or an older sibling or friend or whatever, if they notice somebody doing something and whether the person's good at it or not, if they notice that it's being done and it makes that person happy, it's a pretty awesome thing to be able to look back on that and say, the people around me encouraged me, were eventually able to sort of draw that out of me and help me, you know, expose it more. Um, And so it's so interesting because when you talk about being introverted, I think being a freelance person and with the internet and everything, um, it's so funny. I feel like it helps introverts maybe sort of, uh, put themselves out there a little bit more without having to be like right in the mix. But then you also do, um, a lot of speaking engagements and you've also been very, you know, public, you know, just as a, per- like the person of, of Sarah Blake, it's not just your work, but you as a person are out there, you know, whether it's in photography with your tattoos and stuff and, you know, being very visible as a person. Um, how, how do you see that, you know, relating to, um, you know, you being more of an introverted person and how would people react to you saying you're introverted when you are very, very, um, more on display? Does that help you, um, sort of deal with that at all? Or how do you think Um, that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's hard because it's never something, you know, you've really signed up for in the beginning. Like, you know, I think a lot of us, when you know, we're just starting out, you, you put yourself on, you know, Twitter and your social networks to just get your, your work seen because you're solely responsible for, you know, your own future creatively and connecting with people. Um, but you know, I, a lot of freelancers too, like you're a one person company and there's sometimes very little distinction between you as a person and you as a work, especially if you're doing a lot of personal work too. Um, And so I think there's a lot of this expectation to, um, when you do conferences, it's like you're on, um, socially for, you know, three or four days straight and it's, it's tough. Yeah. Right. It's daunting. I mean, you're like, you have to just exert yourself so much more at a conference or at some sort of event like that because people kind of expect something from you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I, I could never have imagined that I'd be going to these awesome conferences and meeting great people and you leave feeling so inspired. But, um, you know, I think if you had asked me a few years ago, if I wanted to get on stage and be in front of a lot of people, freaked out. (laughs) I mean, I still freak out, but it's, it's still great. Right. And it's funny. I mean, so, I mean, I feel like a lot of people really misunderstand introverts as people who are just straight shy or people who don't like to socialize or anything. And that's totally not you. It's it's a completely different thing. And we don't have to get on a whole topic of the meaning of being introverted or anything. But I think it's just really interesting that, you know, you have eventually, you know, overcome the the even thought of like, ah, like public speaking, being around people all the time. And like, it seems like you've really found the the, you know, positive in that and being able to figure out a way to enjoy those events on your, on your terms, you know? Yeah, I think, um, well, uh, I find it interesting that, um, one of the definitions I've heard, I guess, on introvert versus extrovert is, um, not like whether you're just shy, but how you find your energy source. So, right. um, how do you recharge? Do you recharge by being around people or by being alone? 
Um, and definitely the answer is being alone. But I think, you know, when you're at these conferences and, um, or just, you know, um, collaborations or being around a lot of people for, for your job in some, to, to some degree, um, you just gotta set your boundaries and your cutoff points. And I think people get it if you need some quiet time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny, you know, you get a lot of these speakers and, you know, they, they, uh, they're in their office alone all day long. It's not just, <laughs> I gotta remember, it's like, it's not just me that feels this way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, okay. So you're, I'm really curious to know, cause I feel like everybody's got a story with this if they've spoken publicly, but how did your very first speaking engagement go? Like the first time you, someone gave you like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, an hour or whatever it was on stage, where was that at? And how did it go? Um, my first one was like, just, I feel like I started out crazy because I flew all the way to New Zealand, which was the longest trip I'd ever taken. And, um, they were very kind to me. They gave me an opening spot so that I don't think (laughs) people were out of bed. (laughs) But, um, I, I went out did the best I could. I think my voice was probably shaking the entire time. I think I blacked out for half of it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember what I said. But did you feel like the butterflies before you went on stage? Or did you feel like, all right, you know what? I think I got this. And did you have a bazillion notes or did you just kind of wing it? Or um, I, I sort of winged it with the framework of a presentation where I knew what I was supposed to talk about yeah. with each slide. But I think, you know, to some degree, whatever you're supposed to say flies out of your head and then new <laughs> things fly in once you're up, you're up there. Right, yeah. But so, I think I had I spent so much energy just like doing the talk and getting through it and overcoming this is just massive fear that within 15 minutes of getting off stage, I immediately got a cold. <laughs> <laughs> did you end up looking back and, and thinking that that first time like ended up helping future ones? Like, did you learn a lot from that or do you still kind of get the same feeling when you do it now? And is it something you had, you would say you enjoy now? Um, I... I enjoy the entire the overall experience. Getting up there is never going to be easy for me, I don't think. But I've learned a ton. Um, and every time I, I, I get back from these um, these sort of creative conferences where you hear so many awesome people speak, you're just like, did I trick someone? Like, <laughs> how did I get to go to this thing? Um, right, yeah. And you, I think you sort of leave feeling like, okay, I did better than the last one and I want to do better next time. Right, yeah. I definitely find that it depends too on your audience. I mean, if you're speaking directly to students, for example, I find that reaction very different than I'm speaking to a room full of professionals or, you know, it's just, it's different. And you end up getting a feel for that and you kind of go into it with the, you know, understanding what the expectations of you are or what you're in for based on the audience and stuff. And I think knowing that helps and you don't really understand and know that until you've done it a lot and you can kind of go into it and get a feel for, okay, this is a conference full of working professionals or this is a school, you know, the reception's kind of different all the time. I feel like with those things. Yeah. You've done a bunch. You've done, you've did, did some speaking at schools, right? Yeah. Have you, have you spoken at many schools or like art schools or anything or? No, but I think that would be awesome because I, I like, um, I think talking to students is pretty fun. Yeah. They're like, they're, they don't, they're just, they're like open books, you know, they're just extremely, they have all this passion and they can do whatever they want, you yeah. know, they're at the beginning. Well, they feel like they're very eager to, to be hearing from people who are doing what they kind of want to be doing. And I find what's fascinating about that a lot of times is I'll find myself and I'm like, you just said before, like, did you trick someone? Like, you know, it's just, it's weird to find yourself in the position of being the person that people are looking at. 
and kind of looking at it as an inspiration or like looking at your work as, you know, something that they take as influential or what you've been able to accomplish or anything like that. I think it's kind of, uh, for me anyways, it's very humbling. It's like, you know, wow, like people are actually here to see me. I have the stage. That's kind of crazy when I really stop and think about it. Oh yeah. I mean, and you and I, we're, we're like pretty much self-taught. So right. it's like, why do you want to learn from me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, but they do. And I think we often have a hard time understanding what our impact is just because we are kind of immersed in our own day-to-day lives and, you know, the personal stuff we have going on that you're kind of dealing with and everything. But other people kind of only see the best foot forward because that's all, you know, as freelancers, you want to put out there is your best work and your best thing. And hopefully in the, you know, in between here and there, we're honest and have chances to put things on display that aren't perfect and people can appreciate that. But for the most part, you know, people know you by your portfolio and your work and the interviews you do and the stuff that you put out there and you can forget that you've had an impact on people, which you have, you know? Um, Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, um, and as you said, very humbling, but it's also, you know, I think, um, I don't know what I'm doing, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's, and like, you know, I think that, I think that's actually, um, you brought it up when we were talking about our childhood is, you know, remembering why, why you do what you do. Um, and, and I think it's easy to forget, you, you know, at the base of it, you're probably making stuff, waking up in the morning, wanting to get on the computer or draw or, you know, make a painting. Cause you just love it. It makes you feel some sense of accomplishment or, um, you know, it gives you a sense of your own existence. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, very existential situation here. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like once you start putting stuff online or, um, or, or trying to get jobs or whatever, sometimes it can suck a little bit of that joy out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's really important at the end of the day, just to get back to, um, you know, doing it for you. You're the one putting in the time investment and the creative investment. Right. So you mentioned before, just a minute ago about being self-taught, which both you and I are. Um, and I want to ask you about that because, Um, as you said, like you went to school and you felt like you weren't necessarily a natural talent with drawing or whatever. Um, and I think with anybody that's debatable, I think a lot of people are naturally talented. It just takes some practice and then they realize what they've got in them and other people, maybe they just really aren't and they just have to do it a bunch. And then they're like, wow, I got good at this. And so regardless of that, um, your work right now, um, presently, when you go look at your stuff and see the stuff that you're posting regularly and everything is very, very painfully quality to it. Um, colors are very important. Um, you know, so how did you kind of come to the style you're doing now and sort of the work that you're doing right now based on how you felt very raw when you went to school? What was the evolution for you creatively? What were some of the specific, you know, techniques or styles or things that you were doing that led you to kind of do what you're doing right now, regardless Uh, of the subject matter, really? Hmm. I mean, look, I guess when I was in school, I actually started out thinking I wanted to um, be a writer or an artist or somehow merge them somehow. So I was, you know, I was like actually somehow convinced um, some professors in my department to do a really small class on a class on graphic novels. And, um, and then I was taking some more um, pure writing classes and then just creative writing classes and then some more just painting classes. And, you know, I think when you're in school, you, it's, you, you think that it's all about like technique. And I thought to be good, I had to, um, draw really realistically, or I had to really get my technique down for, um, you know, like 
my lithography had to be awesome. Um, and I had to, to master, um, like a skill set, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. And then as I started, I, I just didn't feel like, you know, you can teach, teach a kid something and they can do it exactly right. Step by step, do it exactly as has been told to them. But I never felt like it was mine. Um, or like I was creating something new or on my own. And so as I kind of got out of school, still wasn't really sure how I was going to put these skills to use and find a, a real job to pay, you know, my rent. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I sort of, um, just to, to get by, I, I realized that the web was a great way to put, you know, the, these design skills and these writing skills and, um, and get hired based on that. So I, I went right out of school and I got, um, started an internship doing, um, basically production work. And that's where I learned how to use uh, Photoshop and was teaching myself a little flash. And so I basically got all, I thought I was going to be this fine artist. And then I put them much more into like practical use, um, at a small agency and they were awesome. They like let me learn on the job. And, um, I started coding a little bit, started doing, um, you know, website design and, um, and that's sort of how I, I started. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to be a graphic designer now. Okay, so you feel is, like kind of fell into it a little bit with that. Yeah, and and you know, I didn't I, when I was starting out school, I didn't even really know that graphic design was a job. I, I don't know how I managed to be that naive, but you know, I didn't know advertising was a job. I didn't know that um, people got to do stuff like that for a living. Just <laughs> it's fa that's fascinating to me because I feel like so many designers say that they're like, I didn't know that what I do was a job. Yeah, I can do that over and over too. Yeah, and you eventually have one little experience, even with like a you know doing production work, like you said, and and you start discovering people or you know other people's work that's even maybe more interesting to you than what it is you're doing all day, and you're like, oh my god, there's a whole like world of this. Yeah, actually, I forget. I always forget this part of the story, but um, uh, the way I actually got my first internship doing production work and learning um, Adobe was um, through my tattooer. I also started getting. Um, pretty heavily tattooed, I guess you'd say, um, around age 18, mm. 19. And um, my tattoo artist tattooed um, my then boss. So it was like that mutual connection. And as I was doing this internship and I was sort of like figuring out what I wanted to do, um, I was also pondering maybe becoming a tattoo artist and getting an apprenticeship um, and ultimately decided that was you had to be way too much of a people person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kind of hard to yeah. do that remotely or on the computer, really. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe one day. These, these advances in technology, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> be able to put your hands into like some uh, robot arms on the computer and you'll tattoo someone across the world, you know, yeah, like you the way they can do surgeries and stuff now remotely. Stick your hand in like a scanner and then it's like stamp. Yeah. But how much blame? You, there's got to be a lot of paperwork. I think you signed before that. Like if the... If the internet goes down and your tattoo gets stopped like midway through, then sorry, not our not our fault. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> I wish mean, um, like, that happens in real life. Yeah, that's true. Tattoos, like tattoo yeah. failure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you were at this doing the production work, doing all this other stuff, and here you are today doing much more kind of uh, interesting, I guess, for, for, you know, to kind of put it lightly at work, um, <laughs> for, you know, all sorts of clients. And, um, so I'm, I think my favorite thing to hear from anybody who does really anything, regardless of what the field is, who, you know, at one point wasn't 
you know, was kind of in the industry already, but not doing anything like what they've sort of blossomed into. Um, what were the, th- where you do going home and doing stuff on the side of your own and just putting it on the internet and starting to like slowly get some recognition for it? I mean, what did it take for you to now be, you know, someone who, you know, is now speaking in places, you know, all over the world or getting hired by really great clients and doing work that you really love? I mean, what was, the, what were some of the bridges you had to kind of cross to get from, point A to now point B where you're at right now? Um, yeah, it was a lot of going home after my, my day job doing, um, like web design, doing interactive design and, um, and just, I, I didn't really have any expectations, um, because I didn't, I, again, I didn't know that illustration was a job either. I just wanted to be kind of making my own stuff. It wasn't for a client and, you know, um, collaboration is great for, for, you know, the kind of web design work that I was doing, but, mm-hmm. um, it still wasn't, it wasn't all, all Sarah. Um, and I didn't have ultimate control over it. Um, and so I come home and, you know, at that age, gosh, like I can't do it now, but you can, I was working till like four in the morning and then waking up and going to my day job and just doing that day in, day out. And uh-huh. weekends. Um, and, and really just sort of experimenting and, um, and because I'd been learning, uh, you know, internet stuff, I guess, in general, I was able to put up my own website and I just started like a really bare bones blog. Um, and it was kind of just putting it out there more for like friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, when was this, by the way, give me like a timeline, like a year roughly. Let's see. Uh, probably where did I graduate? I graduated probably like six years ago, seven years ago. Okay. So yeah, not, I mean, relatively not that long ago. Yeah. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I was still like learning Photoshop on the job too. So, um, I was kind of doing really, you know, using, you know, text boxes and squares and, you know, everything was very graded out for the web stuff. And then coming home and I scanned with this pencil drawing and it's like this wide open canvas. So I was using Photoshop in like a completely different way. Um, and was also figuring out, um, you know, like, what I thought would be my color language, you know, it's just like kind of learning a whole new skill set because I've been, you know, doing fine art and painting and um, that sort of stuff in college, but this was something I'd never played around with before. Sure. So it was, yeah, it was just a lot of, you know, self-taught experimentation. Um, and, and not really, I think there was actually a lot of less pressure posting stuff because sure. I was like, there, no one's going to see this, but my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there's still such low expectations at that point from yourself and you just feel like you're doing it for fun and you haven't been jaded by being paid from a client or waiting on an invoice or having some person on the internet critique you or anything like that. You are just doing your thing and putting it out there because it feels like the natural thing to do. There aren't any politics surrounding it, I suppose. Yeah, it it kind of, it's it's still... um... I think it's something that is still hard to remember when, you know, I think once you start getting your first client job, you know, whatever it is, you start sort of feeling like a, maybe a self-imposed pressure, maybe. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, well, this is what my stuff looks like now. And I can't, you know, like, this is what my client work is going to be. Right. Um, so when you try to go back into the personal work, um, I think, you know, like, trying a whole new avenue or a different look or something can be a little scarier. And I almost miss that naivety when you're just, you <laughs> there are no expectations and you're not getting paid from it. And right. It's just kind of a beautiful thing at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so that's, I mean, I mean, for me personally, I remember on my 18th birthday, I submitted a link of my site, which at the, at the time was exactly what you're describing. I needed a place on the internet, which at the time, I mean, you're talking, I'm talking like, you know, geez, 11 years ago now. Um, like the internet was such, it felt like such a, you know, supremely smaller place than it is right now. So if you submit your link to a design news website or whatever, and it gets posted, it felt like the whole world that was relevant to you was going to see that. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So I mean, does design is kinky. Um, if you remember design is kinky, oh, wh- yeah, sure. they were, you know, who now is kind of the, um, if you don't know, semi-permanent conference is a huge conference and, um, you can check that out. But, um, they, like basically they posted my link to my work and I saw these hits coming in and I was like, Oh my God, my life is going to be changed forever from this. Yeah. Like, was there, was there any website or blog or anything that gave you kind of a break? I remember, uh, you know, just starting to kind of see your work around, but I don't know if there were one or two particular things that you felt like really helped sort of like put it out there like of, Hey, this is Sarah Blake, check her workout. And, and it kind of started rolling from there. Um, I'm not sure if there was a, a one sort of pickup from a blog or anything, but I, I just remember feeling like I still feel very supported by, um, other, other people, other illustrators and designers online. And, um, you know, I've, it's, it's kind of been the biggest help feeling like you look up to these people and when they're sharing your stuff, you know, it's just like, wow, um, these are my heroes. And I've been kind of, you know, trolling their their work for so many years and so that's been kind of the biggest help and encouragement and yeah so who were some of your heroes like design wise and art art wise who are some people that you looked at and just thought man like i want my name alongside their name someday in you know on wherever you know it may be who who are some of the people that really influenced you from a creative standpoint even if you had never met them or anything at all um i think uh Josh Davis was a huge influence and I kind of I think he is for so many people like you probably get anybody on here and they'd say his name just because he's he's touched so many people in what in many industries um but he I knew his work before I knew his name you know I just like he was doing web stuff and you know um stuff with flash when I was learning it and Mm -hmm. I didn't really know who he was but I was like um uh I was really obsessed with Once Upon a Forest when I was in school. And, um, and then, so ultimately I wrote him a, just an email. I was like, really dig your work. And, um, he responded and I was blown away and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. He's a hero. And over the years, you know, he's been really supportive. Um, Chuck, you've been around forever. I looked up to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that on my own podcast. It starts to be like, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll just say thank you. Right. I'm going to say it to you while I gotcha. (laughs) And then, um, you know, lots of, I, I really love Yuko Shimizu, James mm-hmm. Jean, yeah. um, just huge, huge fan. And I've never, I've never talked to them. I just, I'm hugely a fan of both their work. Well, I know Yuko and I've met her uh, years ago and she was so nice. Like just one of the sweetest people I'd ever met. And so I'm sure she would respond and be happy to, I shouldn't make any promises on behalf of anybody else, but she sure, sure seemed like, uh, we're just one of those good souls who would be happy to meet and talk. I know she teaches now, I think too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to um, be at a, a thing with her next uh, April, I think. And I'm going to track her down. And oh, nice. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so you had all these people who you looked up to and, and like really influenced you. Did you start to 
feel like it was really kind of trickling into your work the more that you exposed yourself to that stuff? Because I know the more I did, especially with the internet and the accessible nature of other people's work from all over the world, I would start noticing it even in other places. So I'd go to the bookstore and look at magazines and start realizing oh, that person I just saw on this website the other day also did the cover for this music magazine or did some spot illustration for, you know, this sports magazine or something like that. Did you start to sort of have that phenomenon where you're like just seeing it everywhere and kind of like, wow, just I feel surrounded by it or like on the internet or whatever? I think with the, you know, the internet and really having people's work accessible, you start, you know, you know, you, people got a flavor to their style and, and you just sort of like see that flavor everywhere where you're like, Oh, I, you know, I bet you so-and-so did that. And um, you just sort of get a little more um, educated about artists, but also um, just sort of what's being used in, in advertising and whether that's telling you to you know stay away from it or um, this person's already got this thing. Um, um, I think it's just sort of, it's also sort of like the small town phenomenon too, where you realize, you know, everybody kind of is, is talking to everybody and the internet has sort of made everything a, a democracy in some way. Yeah. That's crazy. Actually thinking about the internet as like a small town where you kind of know everybody, especially if you frequent the same like sites or whatever, there's this sort of, uh, just understanding, I guess. It's such an yeah. interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, and also you were, you were mentioning like working together and collaboration. And um, I think, you know, once you start collaborating with people you look up to or um, you know, think are doing really awesome, interesting things, it's sort of like um, it pushes you in a way. It's like, you know, like meeting your trainer really early in the morning or you'd never get your ass out of bed at <laughs> six in the morning unless you had to go, you know, meet someone or do this project. And when you have this, uh, when you set up collaborations, it's sort of the same thing. It's pushing you outside your comfort zone and, you know, maybe doing your art through a new medium or a new technology that you wouldn't have, um, maybe had the confidence or, um, to do, or, or just even the knowledge to, to pick up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy just how many people the internet has like enabled <laughs> careers for. I mean it has mine. It's you know, I mean it's just it's wild to think about. It. I just feel like it's it's almost cliche to talk about it at this point, but it's just still when I when I just think about it and like your again your small town sort of uh, analogy with that. It's just really fascinating that you're able to connect with the people that you consider heroes where, you know, before the internet or without, you know, access to the internet, that would just be borderline impossible. And just, it's so quick to be able to do that. If you want to drop someone a note whose work you like, you drop them a note and then you're good. <laughs> like, and you just yeah. sit back and wait. So uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. And everybody kind of has that same sort of story where they just start discovering things or they get this one person that they find. And then for me, it was always, I'd go to someone's about page and they have like a friends list, you know, yeah. of links oh, or something. Yeah. <laughs> that was always a great way to find like all these other people. Yeah, people don't do that enough anymore. That was like the thing back in the day, like the links page. Like there's a whole page just for links. <laughs> yeah, just for your friends section or whatever. I still love to do that. I just think it's important to, you know, if somebody took the time to click on your about page, I like to have a chance for people to leave my site, I guess, and find other stuff that I think is cool. Cause I just figure if it's someone important enough, they're going to come back to mine anyway. So it's kind of cool to, you know, be able to share associations and, you know, yeah, show cool. who's a I don't know, someone that kind of runs in your circle that you admire or that's a friend or whatever. Um, so, okay. So you, this is something I want to talk about almost as a side note, but it's hard to make it a side note because it's such a big part of, of your life. Um, tattoos, how much, 
like you actually said you want to be a tattoo artist at one point. Is that something you think you might actually do ever? Or do you feel like uh, it'd be so much time and like apprenticing and all that stuff? Like, is this something you still want to pursue at all? Oh man, no way. No um, way. <laughs> no way. Is it because it's, of the introverted thing? I think it's the introverted thing. You know, tattooing is hard work. It, yeah. Um, I think also it's, it's really saturated right now. It's everyone, people, it's picked up so much just culturally in the past 10 years that it's hard to even get an apprenticeship. Um, good tattooers, like it's a lot of work to take on an apprentice and the, the good guys have been around a while. They've already had, you know, a couple run through the ringer and they're like not taking them anymore. Right. Yeah. It's a huge thing to ask of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you finish your apprenticeship, it's hard to get a job in a shop. And, um, and also I just, I don't, I don't, it's really intimidating because these tattoo artists, like the good shops, like I go to Smith street tattoo parlor, they've been doing this for such a long time and they're so, they're so good. And it's, you know, at this stage I've already kind of gotten, um, I guess a art, like a, a style down or like a way of working down and it'd be just be way too daunting to start over. Um, I don't know that I would want to either, you yeah. know? Like skin's a totally different canvas. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of pressure. If you're not willing to deal with like the fear of messing up on someone's body, then probably not. Because <laughs> I feel like yeah. there's some sort of 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 feeling for anybody who does tattoos where they're like, "All right, here we go. Like, I'm this is permanent, and I'm I'm cool with that too." Like, obviously, at that point, you have the person's trust to be tattooed, but to be the tattooer, you kind of have to be all in and throw caution to the wind that you might make a mistake. And there's just so much confidence. I feel like a good tattoo artist has in their in themselves to sit down and do that without <laughs> screwing, oh, yeah. screwing you it gotta, up. If you do mess up, you can't let the person know that that, that you feel like you messed up. You just got to be like, you know, yeah. <laughs> play it, play it like it was just all meant to be. And, you know, this is a great piece. Yeah. Right. You know, ever there, everyone has a, every tattooer has a first tattoo and they have a first 50 tattoos. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the ones who have done 50 think that their first one sucked and their 50th one that they've most recently done is the best, but then a hundred and they're like, Oh, that 50th one was just as bad as the first. Now I'm better than ever. And a year from then, no, now I'm actually the best, ever. <laughs> which well, is, know, which is fine. But it's so apparent in a tattoo artist's work. Cause you can see the refinement on such like a obvious level almost, you know, as they progress. Yeah. And then it's also like kind of cool to, you know, have one of the first, you know, tattoo, like my tattoo artist name is Steve Bolt. So it's like, it would be super cool for me to have like one of Steve's first five tattoos. That would be like a relic, you know, it'd just be this. <laughs> do, you, so do, do you look at uh, getting tattoos as collecting art in a way? Like, a, cause I feel like I do, I feel like I'm less about, okay, what does this look, you know, what does this mean? And what is this saying and everything? And for oh, me, yeah. I just really appreciate the look and the aesthetic of it and everything. And I think people really forget to just like be okay with that and want such loaded meaning and everything they get, you know? So how do, I mean, how are you with that? Since you do have so many for you, is it an aesthetic thing? Is it a meaning thing or both or what? It's, it's definitely an aesthetic thing. Um, I think, um, I, it just is more of a decorative thing. Um, where I, I guess I have too many at this point to really, I don't <laughs> People I still ask it, you how many you have, right? Meaningful. <laughs> yeah. Like I've got a couple that sort of have a backstory to them, but it's it's mostly just collecting my friend's artwork. You know, mm. I've been going to Steve for his name's Steve Baltz at Smith Street Tattoo Parlor in Brooklyn, and I've been going to him for ten years, and I've gotten a couple of tattoos by other people, and when I was really young, before before him even, and ever since they've gotten removed or covered, and it's, I'm just an entire 
palette of Steve Ball's work. Yeah. So it's just an ongoing evolution of stuff that you do cover up, do cover up again, change, evolve. It's sort of like a living thing almost that you can just kind of, it's never finished. It seems like from what I've, I've seen of yours. Yeah. And I don't know. And it's like, I don't, I don't even see, um, I don't see them anymore, really. I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. So just for people's reference, so in case they don't know, I mean, you're pretty covered at this point. I mean, you'd have to be pretty covered up to not see, I mean, you don't have much up on your neck though. Um, I don't have it like on my neck, but I got something that's kind of like creeping up a little bit. It's like above my, my shirt line. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's like I got stuff on my hands and a little bit on my neck. Right. So you're at that point. I mean, I can still put on long sleeves and you wouldn't know. But yeah, I mean, if I put on a T-shirt, like you get looks like I have my right arm covered and you have most of your, you know, like arms and, and legs and everything covered at this point and stuff. So what's the what are like what question if you could never get asked again, would it be? And then if you could have people switch that question with a question that would actually lead to some really insightful conversation, what would you have them ask about the tattoos? Um, let's see. <laughs> I guess the question I get asked the most is, um, did it hurt? Yeah. Like, right. I think it's like the dumbest thing ever. It is the dumbest thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> sure. <it did. laughs> it's a beetle, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think people think if you have a lot, then somehow you're, like, you know, you you have this tolerance level for being tattooed where it's like, yes, of course it hurts. Like, you know how it's done, right? It just gets worse as you get older too, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's less of a rush and more of like just something you're putting yourself through and hoping to get out on the other side alive. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, you, and I think the other question I get asked a lot, you probably do too, is like, what are, what are you going to think when you're old? Oh uh, yeah. And like, dude, I'm going to, not care. <laughs> I'm going to be old and like be thinking about so many other things. It's like, it's funny how, you know, we, we spend so much, we put in, you know, pain tolerance and money and healing time and all this effort into, to getting them. But at the end of the day, it sort of has been a lesson in, um, you know, it's, it's just skin. Like it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. There's so much more important things. <laughs> but it's so funny because I have friends who don't have any tattoos at all and for them to actually get one and I've talked to some of them about it before and they're interested but they've deliberated about what it's going to be for like a year and they've drawn it on their arms and they've looked at it in the mirror and kind of like stood in different poses and it's like this one little thing on their arms and that's completely fine like that's if that's their approach to it like who am I or who's anybody to say that they should just stop caring so much and just do it but for me and for you and for other people who have a lot more I think there is this sense of like, it is, you know, it's still, yes, it's important. Like it's my body and it's skin and everything. But at the same time, like, I don't know why I'm wired this way, but I just simply don't care right now so much how it's going to affect me when I'm older. And for some people that works, some people it doesn't. And I just don't actually think we know yet in terms of the styles of tattoos right now in the way that people are getting them, like full sleeves and stuff on hands and everything. I mean, Anybody who's really old with that now, it's more military stuff or it's prison stuff. Like you don't have kids yeah. with colorful tattoos, you know, who are old people yet. Like, so I always like to think about the fact that when we're all old, if we're in a nursing home or something, we're all 85, there's going to be people sitting around next to you playing on iPads with full oh, yeah. sleeves. Like it's, <laughs> it's not going to be that weird then. It's weird now if you think about your grandparents having full sleeves, but like when our generation's older, it's not going to be such a thing. It just won't. Yeah. Like, like droopy, 
droopy anime tattoos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's so many ones that look good now and probably won't later. And I just think some people have an ability to just tell themselves, I'll worry about that when I cross that bridge. And right now I just, I like it. And I just, yeah. I don't know. I love that you were willing to admit though, that like for a big part for you, it's aesthetic and you like how it looks and you like the decorative aspect of it. I think people are so obsessed with having to attach meaning post tattoo, because I feel like that's how a lot of people are going into it. And then they feel like I need to come up with a, a meaning for this because people ask me and then they're like, well, it represents life and hope and, and peace. And it's like, yeah. Does no, it? That's, that's a really interesting point, you know, and I think it, it kind of relates to um, how I think about, you know, looking at um, illustrators work and, um, and, 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 you know, kind of wondering what other people see when they look at my work or, or what have you, because it's, you know, in some ways, um, ta just tattoos or just putting an image, photograph even, just a, a plain image out there is sometimes a little more terrifying than like a piece of writing because you're just, you're leaving it up to the viewer to make whatever they want to make out of it. And that's an incredibly beautiful um, experience. It's exciting, but it's also just terrifying because you're just like relinquishing control in some way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's so weird and it's just a different thing for everybody. And if someone wants to have no tattoos, if someone wants to be fully covered, like their reasoning, it's all the only person it really matters to is them and whoever it is that they're with, if it affects them at all, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but beyond that, I mean, it's no one else's concern. And if you want to put it out there, you can, if you don't, you don't have to. And, but everybody's got opinions on it. And I just think like, as time goes on right now, it's, it's hard. It's almost harder to find someone without a single tattoo at this point. It's just that just commonplace. So it just, it's not really shocking anymore, but I do still think it's shocking when you leave probably for you, the confines of, well, I shouldn't say confines. It's not exactly a confined area, but leaving New York and going, I don't know, maybe back to your hometown or going to a small smaller city or going to a small, you know, any more rural yeah. suburban type area, you definitely get the stairs there, but yeah, you know. it's like mostly overseas too. Like I, I travel alone mostly mm -hmm. and, uh, they're just like, you know, parts of Europe I've been to recently where it's like, you, they're just, you don't see really heavily tattooed girls, especially traveling alone. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, we take it for granted, I think, especially, um, you know, in, in larger cities in the United States, but you know, for as, as far as it's come, it's just not, it's not everywhere. Yeah. Right. So it, in some ways, you know, I'm very grateful to, you know, have, have no fear of, you know, uh, you know, it affecting my work or my job or my livelihood. I'm just super blessed to feel, to feel like I can do, I can have this freedom. Sure. Yeah. That's cool. So, so I want to ask, does, is getting tattooed something uh, that you ever look at as like a therapeutic thing, like, Oh, it takes my mind off. I enjoy this. Or do you really look at it as like, it just kind of is what it is. I just like the end result. Or do you find there to be like a therapy sort of mental, like calming <laughs> thing to like the experience and everything? Um, you know, I, I think, um, I don't know if I, that I do this consciously, but, um, I, I tend to go through waves of getting a lot of work done in every, every like year or two. And I'll go like three months and get a bunch of work. And it's sort of, um, I find it happens when I go through something personally in my life, um, where I just sort of want a fresh start and it's kind of like getting a makeover <laughs> almost like yeah. in some ways it's traumatic. So look at a part of your body and all of a sudden there's like this big thing there that's a different color, <laughs> hasn't been there before. I remember getting my first sleeve and I just like, I would forget I had it and I wake up in the morning and freak out. Yeah. But it, at the same time, it sort of, um, 
it it like unhinges something where you have to accept this new thing in your life and i think it sort of transcends into whatever you're going through personally it's yeah. like just sort of i don't i don't know how to how to say it but it's just uh forcing you to push forward with with something mm-hmm yeah, I agree. It's hard to put your finger on it. And I think it's okay not to just like I think, again, I think it's okay for people to know that it's all right to just accept the fact that maybe they just want a tattoo and they might like how it looks bottom line, you know, so I just like how you I feel like you're a really good, like, um, you know, representative, I guess, of like, tattoo, you know, of tattooing and of, of, of sort of, I mean, saying that like hey i have tattoos and i just really like them because i like them (laughs) i just love that and i like what you're saying now too not necessarily needing to be able to name what exactly it is that it does for you like mentally or or whatever but there's something there and i just you have to kind of experience it for yourself i guess to really understand what that's like um you're you're saying like you know design idols and um and and art people you looked up to and and at the very beginning of my starting out my my idol was was my tattooer because he was um you know he was employed doing a creative job he did you know he could draw on the spot an amazing composition um be drawing from like um you know cultural references and um you know japanese art uh korean art just like had this wide breadth of knowledge and you know at the same time it was this sort of like underdog career where it wasn't in um oh sorry my cat's (laughs) <laughs> that's okay we we talked about maybe getting some cat noises in the show and there were, i think we might have just got one so <laughs> um and so like i i really liked um that he was making a career for himself doing doing something incredibly creative mm-hmm. and um and that was my original hero and who was that again just so that people know for reference and if you want to plug a website or anything oh, sure his name's steve Boltz, um and he is with smith street tattoo parlor in Brooklyn and their whole shop is awesome. Anybody there is, is rad. Um, Dan Santora, Bert Crack, Eli Quinners. Um, yeah, they're, they're awesome. super rad. Cool. Cool. Um, so, okay. So the therapeutic thing I mentioned with tattooing kind of going off of that into something else, what are some of the things that you do to get your mind off doing your work day in and day out, whether it's personal or for clients? Like what are some of the things I know you love to run. So is that one of the things and, and to bike and everything? Yeah. I mean, those, that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, I spent a lot of time, um, running and mostly endurance sports because I'm like, I'm a very impatient person. Um, and I can't do stuff like yoga or meditation is really tough for me. But I feel like you can find elements of that in endurance sports where you're doing something physically with your body, but your mind is able to be still. And you also, you're not like, you don't have your phone on you. You know, you're just like, the world has left you alone for a little bit. And I like, I think if I could do any other job, it would be to somehow be doing sports all day long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, so do you not bring your phone when you run or you bike? I turn it, well, I... I still have it because I, I'm like kind of obsessed with all these little sports apps that I, yeah, right. I like don't train without a heart rate monitor. So I will have like Wahoo fitness thing going on. So it'll, it'll tell me that someone's sent me an email or whatever, but you know, that's, I don't, I don't check it's time off. 
So you're able to actually separate a little bit. I kind of feel like that's the hardest thing for me. I mean, I love to go work out and everything too. I just find it's, I mean, like any other time really, just having a phone on you can just be so quickly a distraction when you're trying to just relax. But at the same time, we use it for all the apps or the music or whatever. So if you're actually able to control that, then more power to you. I think that's a really rare thing and hard to do. So if you figured out a way to sort of keep that tamed, that's probably for the best. I think that kind of falls into... um like learning your, your freelance schedule a little bit too. Cause mm. I think it's really easy to just work all day until you go to bed. Right. This amorphous day with no beginning or end. It just was the exactly. day. <laughs> right. Exactly. And yeah. it's tough. Um, and I think if you, you gotta like, you gotta make a point to maybe if you're freelancer, just do, do the lunch hour and maybe yep. that means you're going to be working a little bit later at night, but take that time to turn your brain off a little bit from work stuff. Do you tend to do that during the day? Like like middle of the day, you'll be like, okay, time to leave and go for a run and just stop what you're doing? For sure. Not yeah. not runs, but I take a little walk um, yeah. to just get out. Because I also, my studio is in my house and, and I also have just, I still do regular design clients for advertising agencies during the day. And, um, and that's, you know, you're on sort of a nine to five schedule for mm-hmm. that. So um, I, I try to break up the day. Do you really divide your time up? Like, do you really just try and use like the nine to five framework for clients? And then like when all of them are not in the office anymore, you're like, cool, I'm not really in the office anymore either. Yeah. I mean, it depends what the project is. I sort of, in a weird way, I like, I like the, um, having the constraints of having to do the work in a certain um, timeframe because it forces you to keep that structure. So it's like, okay, well at, you know, 7 PM, I'm turning my brain off from, um, this type of work and I'm going to switch over to maybe like personal work or, you know, this illustration I told someone I was going to do. But, um, I think it, it enables procrastination for me at least. <laughs> What's if that? I, what does exactly you're saying? If I don't break, if I oh, don't, right, right, right. I'll just yeah. be like, I'll, I'll think I have to do something all day long okay. and I won't actually start it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, um, you know, like having to answer that email because someone needs to read it by noon is, is kind of helpful. Yeah. Right. I, I just think it's so hard to, you know, I, you know, in my experience over the last 10 years, it's been like one of the most difficult things to keep myself on some sort of a timeline. It doesn't even have to be a hard schedule, but just to say like, all right, like, you know, like you said at 7 PM, like sometime between four and five, stop what you're doing and leave the house and go for a walk or go do work, you know, go work on this thing or whatever. And I think that's definitely a challenge that faces anybody who does anything where they're on their own, whether it's their day job or it's just something they're doing at night for fun or whatever. I mean, it's really, it's best to give yourself some parameters, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. My, my friend is actually, um, a career coach, like a life coach. And he, um, recommended I get this app called, let me see, it's on my phone right now. It's called your chain. (laughs) like literally an app to you set things that in time a timer to remind you to do stuff throughout the day so i i don't use it for going to get lunch because my tummy tells me to go get lunch (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's no more to just keep yourself on track when you're finding yourself sitting on the computer for like three hours when you meant to sit down and do something for half an hour and it turned into like god knows what else like yeah yeah. and then like you know i also set sort of like personal goals it's so much easier to do a little bit of something every day uh-huh. than to take something, some big thing on and just knock it out in one day or weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been trying to, I've kind of uh, have been missing writing. And so I wanted to start trying to write an hour a day. Yeah. So I've, I've been using the app and it's like, 
kind of like guilts you into doing it because your phone will go off and I'd be like, Did does you it call write? you names and like? <laughs> I think I, sh- I should program it. To yeah. Call me names. I think that'd be way more motivating. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's I th- definitely no question about it. I think you talk to anybody who does something for themselves, and yeah, again, it's it sounds like a helpful app or a- anything you can use that keeps you in line. Like I actually really like lists, so for me, it's just to have visually written down in just a big long list. It doesn't even have to have like you know any specifics about it but as long as I can see it once I accomplish it and cross it off that really helps me and it's kind of like whatever works for you you know then you just got to make sure you're consistent with it because I find as soon as I stop writing down what I need to do and I use for example just my inbox as kind of my to-do list then I get really out of sorts but if I have like something I can actually like see and attack you know like a list or like a something written down not even a schedule but just a list of stuff that that oh, keeps yeah. me in line somehow. So hopefully, you know, for you in your situation, it's that app or whatever else you might use. But yeah, I mean, like like four lists though, because you got to have stuff for today, stuff for like this week, stuff for next three months. Because otherwise, yeah. you feel like a piece of crap if you don't. You're not <laughs> stuff. You can't have stuff there that's just always there. <laughs> right, and then of course there's a list of like family stuff or like oh don't forget to email dad back or don't forget to you know pick up groceries or pick up this thing from the store and you know eventually it's like yes we're all slammed and busy and all the time we love everybody loves to say how busy they're all the time but like you know what I mean it's just like eventually when you can get your kind of like the nuts and bolts of your day in order that's when you can just focus and like and do your best work and it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying with that yeah um it's I think my the thing I'm most excited about like right now is you know, holidays are coming up. Everyone's just so psyched to kind of chill out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really excited to just veg out with like my sketchbook and just doodle nonsense that like no one's ever going to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Or unless you decide like, oh, that looks badass. Like it's not for anything, but I'm oh, going to yeah. post it on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if it's good. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, you got any, so what are you going to be doing for Christmas? You, uh, you said a biking trip earlier. I think you mentioned before we started this interview, what, where are you headed to? Yeah. Um, I'm super excited to be going to, I'm going to LA to stay with some friends right after Christmas. And it's just going to be kind of fun rides, long rides, um, up in the mountains, up into, um, like, uh, I don't even know. We're staying in Santa Monica, so gonna ride up in the hills. Nice. And nice. like, you know, five hours every day, you just eat a big breakfast and just destroy yourself on the bike and then go eat tons of In N Out Burger. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That sounds like a good trip. Cool. Um, well, I kind of want to end this. Uh, you know, this interview, just kind of asking, like, where do you see, you know, I, not like the basic, where do you see yourself in five years? But so all this stuff that you've been through and everything you've learned and like all the lessons and, and people you've met and kind of how you've gotten to doing what you're doing now. Like, you know, as far as your future goes, what are some of the things that you hope that people can really learn from you? Or what are some of the like things that someone could take by, you know, your story or what you've been through or your work or anything? Like what's very, what's really important for you to leave behind for somebody who might be listening to this or might be looking at your portfolio or something? You know, what do you hope that someone else can take from, you know, all of these things? Um, I think the, the biggest, coolest thing that someone could take from checking out my work would, would just be to be inspired to go make their own stuff and regardless of, you know, um you know, what, what they think their skill level is, because I, I still have no idea what I'm doing. Just doing it out of the excitement of making something new. And, um, 
I don't know where I want to be in five, 10 years, but I, I just, all I know is I want to be making stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I've, I've seen other interviews with other artists and I've been asked myself, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And like, I don't think that that, like nobody really knows. I mean, maybe you have certain things you'd like to do, but I mean, you know, I don't think I want to know. <laughs> what, what, what's that? I don't think I want to know. Yeah. It's, it's fun to be surprised. Like I enjoy sort of going every day, like, you know, some email comes in that could change my life because it's for a job that is amazing. And, you know, or maybe it's meeting somebody who's incredible that I'm going to get to work a chance to work with. And you know what I mean? And I think it's fun to just sort of like, as long as you're doing your own thing and freelancing, it's kind of fun to be surprised. So do you enjoy that as well? And sort of like the kind of the, you know, just the unknown, I guess, of the future? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a mixed bag because I'm a total planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to have a plan, but I also like to know that the plan always changes. No matter right. what. Yeah. So what we think is going to be happening in six months may or may not happen. Uh, we just have to be elastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. That's a, I just kind of want to stop there. That's a really awesome kind of way to leave it. Just kind of <laughs> let yourself sort of, especially, especially for anybody who's doing their own thing, like just be willing to let sort of things happen. I mean, obviously in the meantime, you want to like work your ass off and do, you know, what you do best and put it out there. But, you know, well, as long as you're doing your own thing, so much outside, uh, you know, so many outside elements affect what you do and you just can't really plan for them a lot of times, you know, you just either get lucky or you're in the right place, right time or who knows, but, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, and I always, I like, I think a bit, a good message for like students too would be to just be confident with your work, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and just kind of put it out there. And, and, uh, I think if you are, if you if you like your work, then that's really the only thing that matters in my opinion. Yeah. And then other people, most of the time, you know, once you're at your most confident other people can really feel that, I think. So yeah, people can, passion for, for your work is contagious. Yeah, it really is. And I think it, it's best to when you're talking about it in this almost like just excitable way and you're almost unaware that it's contagious in that way, you know, and people can just be like, man, this person is into it and they love it. Even hearing you say you're talking, you know, over Christmas break, you just want to sit with your sketchbook, draw and just kind of do your thing. Like that makes me, like, I haven't just sat, honestly, I don't remember the last time I just sat and drew for the hell of it. And even just hearing you say that, like, <laughs> like all right, I'm going to grab my sketchbook and some of my pens and stuff that I haven't picked up for a long time for at least just me, not for a client. And just going to do that. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes hearing someone else say that they're going to do it for enjoyment reminds you of how much you love to do whatever it is that you do in that way. And it can be hard. Like as much as I like it, it it's hard to get back into it if you haven't done it in a while. And you got to just dedicate, you know, like 10 pages in your sketchbook for just total scribbles. Right. And shaking off rust. Like it's, you suck when you first start again. You're like, don't feel it, you know? Oh, like, um, like (laughs) automatic drawings where you just sort of, it's almost like you, you're like possessed or something and you just let your hands scribble. Yeah. And most of the time it's just nothing. Right. Yeah. Warm up. Yeah. Gotta do it. (laughs) Cool. Well, Hey, I want to give you a chance to just kind of plug your site and Twitter and whatever else. If there's anything you want to kind of shout out or whatever, then kind of give you that chance here. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Chuck. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and my handle on all the internet things is hello. Zo. um, just hello. H H E L L O Z S O, um, dot com on Twitter, on Instagram, 
And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Chuck. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy your holiday break. And I hope uh, people listening enjoy listening to this over their holiday break. I thought this would be a nice one to drop while people are sitting around and don't have much to do or are commuting or whatever and just want to listen and have something fun to hear. So thanks for checking it out. And thank you, Sarah, for taking the time. I really super appreciate it and have a great time in LA on your, on your trip. Thank you so much, Chuck. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Thanks, Sarah.